Good morning, everyone. I've got a question to ask. Do you want to be a ninja? Terran and Lido will tell you how. They can't do it themselves because they're not that strong. This is the American Ninja Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Ninja Warrior Hap Up Podcast. I am your host, Taryn Armstrong, and with me today is Lita. How you doing, Lita? I'm good. I've had uh, a long week resulting in me being a little sick, but we're on schedule this week for American Ninja Warrior, so that gives me all the energy I need. Yes, uh, on schedule as always, Lita. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Right. We're always extremely prompt with our coverage. Yeah. Uh, we are here to talk about episode 12 of season 10 of American Ninja Warrior, the Minneapolis finals. And uh, we uh, this is a pretty good episode. Yeah, it was a good balance of uh, of kind of a stacked field, but not so stacked that people got robbed. Yes, um, we had uh, some new obstacles here. Uh, the course was the Archer Steps. Followed by the double twister, then the sky hooks, which replaced the ring jump, then the diamond dash, the battering ram, and then, of course, the warped wall. And then the back half of the course was the salmon ladder, a new obstacle called the hinge, where you jumped onto these boards and then uh, would have to jump across uh, backwards to a different set of boards that spun around and then jump again backwards to the final board and then dismount. And then the Iron Maiden, which only one person managed to complete last year, according to them. Um, no, I don't remember who it was. Uh, and I don't remember this obstacle at all. I feel like uh, I don't like the name of it, so I would remember it more, but I guess it wasn't very consequential. I do remember the obstacle, um, but uh, this one that you take like these little handles and, you know, uh, bring them down some pegs and then climb up the pegs and then go down again. Um, pretty difficult. A lot of people. Whatever, whatever compliments I gave towards how much I love the name of the spinball wizard last week have been canceled out by how much I don't like the names of the hinge and iron maiden really not a fan of iron maiden i don't like it as a name because it doesn't look anything like what an actual iron maiden well i guess it kind of does but like it really doesn't look that much like it i feel like an iron maiden if you're gonna name something that it has to have specifically spikes not just like protruding elements and it's also not even related to the band so (laughs) are you also not a fan of the band (laughs) I don't don't think I can name a single Iron Maiden song. I'm just saying if you're not going to have spikes, it should at least be uh, heavy metal oriented. I guess there are there is metal involved. I guess so. But then we head into the spider trap where there's lots of spiders and traps. (laughs) That one is better because it's like, um, I don't know, the jumping spider. Like we've already established that like that kind of um, body position we have come to understand represents a spider. Right. And so now these these pegs are supposed to represent uh, spikes in the Iron Maiden. If you if you if they had just recently named this the spider climb or trap or jumping spider or whatever, you would be like, what? Where's the spider? This makes no sense. But there's an established vernacular for this. They're establishing the vernacular. Right here. <laughs> no, it's it's too late. All right. Well, uh, Lita being judgmental as always. <laughs> We're not, we can't have this, and then next year we have the bronze maiden and the silver maiden or whatever. No, we're not establishing a vocabulary of maidens. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, it seems like this course was, for the most part, a bit easier than the, the last one. Um, it was definitely a lot harder to qualify. Uh, we did not get anyone who qualified that did not uh, complete the first half of the course, apart from uh, one of the women. Um, so there's that. It seemed also uh, like it was built for the climbers. Yes, here. I completely um, agree. Very, very climbing heavy in this uh, course. Yeah. And uh, what a coincidence that they had Megan Martin here on this <laughs> finals course. Oh, whoa. So how surprising. I didn't even realize. <laughs> Just uh, so lucky for her that she's a climber and got this course. Yes. Well, we start with Leif Sundberg, who is the 28-year-old medical technologist. They call him the Swedish Ninja. 
because he's got Swedish heritage. Yes, and also for another reason, because he's really good at the salmon ladder. Did you understand the connection? Because it took me a little while to, to put Swedish this one together. Fish? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Because he was like, he specifically said, but there's another reason they call me the Swedish ninja because of the salmon ladder. And I was like, what? And then I realized Swedish fish because you're a fish on the salmon ladder. <laughs> wow. Really stretching. Well, that's the thing is that I felt like it was kind of a long way to go for him to not explicitly say what he meant. I was like, that's very weird that he's like also because of the salmon ladder and then did not explicitly say what that connection was, just leading us to make the jump in our mind. But I think that's what he was going for. I guess so. Um, he they they also say that apparently in uh, Minnesota that ten percent of people who live there have Swedish heritage. Uh, it makes sense to me that there are a lot of Scandinavians in Minnesota because their football team is the Minnesota Vikings. Um, no, that's not a joke. Like, um, a lot of the time, like, um, NFL yeah. teams, what? Well, just, you know, uh, when I, when I look at, um, you know, the, the, uh, I don't remember, Man Manny, the green monster or whatever it is, I think, yeah, you know, um, we definitely, we have a lot of, uh, green monsters here in Boston, There's well, lots of green monster heritage. <laughs> a lot of the time NFL teams are based on the heritage of not even the heritage, but just kind of like some part of the culture around the place that it is. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? It's a steel town. So that's that makes sense. Or um, the Baltimore Ravens, Edgar Allan Poe was from Baltimore. So the Ravens team was named after the poem. So that makes sense to me that there's a lot of Scandinavian people in Minnesota. Well, there you go. You you learn every day on this podcast. Yeah, you're all welcome. Yes. Um, he says, yes, he's very good at the salmon ladder. And so uh, Akbar and I had the exact same thought. Uh, he better get there. Um, not even realizing just how uh, it, that it, it would be worse than bragging about your salmon ladder skills and not getting there is uh, bragging about your salmon ladder skills and then failing on the salmon ladder. To me, I was like, obviously, he's failing on the salmon ladder. There's no other way this could go to make this package make sense. I mean, I think it makes sense if he if he doesn't fail, like uh, if he does something cool. It was too weird. I was like, we've seen people do tricks on the salmon ladder before without having a whole package about it. Well, he seems like he's pretty good here. He had the third fastest time in qualifying. He's uh, he's going he's doing pretty well. Um, he really uh, he gets Akbar energetic. Uh, he goes he gets up the warped wall and Akbar says, that was sweet. I was going to ask you to do an impression of that. I'm so glad you did it unprompted. Yeah. Look, Akbar can get me to do anything. <laughs> That's good to know. Are you going to go on his podcast? <laughs> yeah, of course. The Terran Show of American Ninja Warrior? Yeah. The, uh, the, the next time they advertise the American Ninja Warrior podcast, they're going to be like, and we interview top ninja analysts like Taryn Armstrong. The only ninja podcaster that's never been on American Ninja Warrior. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. I maintain a unique perspective in Ninja Warrior podcasting. <laughs> Having never been on it? Exactly. Yeah, we're the only ones that don't have the background info. Isn't that exactly what you want? <laughs> totally unbiased is what's yes. going on here. Exactly. We're the only ones who can truly give you an objective view of American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Uh, so he goes for the salmon ladder here. Uh, he tries to clear it in one move and he gets there, but it's crooked. And when it's crooked, he, when he turns around on the thing to go off onto the wedge or the hinge. <laughs> See, it's um, a bad name. <laughs> Uh, this, the bar ends up slipping and he, uh, he goes into the water and he ends up failing here on the salmon ladder after bragging about it and trying to show off and he's not going to qualify for Vegas. Yeah. Ouch. Well, that's what happens. Yeah. I mean, maybe he was like, well, I'm probably not going to win the whole thing anyway, so I might as well do something that's going to make people at least remember me. And then I'll get an invite back next year and not have to go in the walk online or something. Maybe. Maybe that was um, his long-term goal. Maybe he was like, I'm not ready to win this year, so maybe for next year. Yeah, he also called the move the Wilczewski Whip. Uh, okay. That's, I mean, I love the Wilczewskis. 
I'm assuming that they haven't gone out on the salmon ladder. So, (laughs) well, it would be very embarrassing to fail on the move that you coined. Well, maybe they didn't coin it. Maybe he coined it, but just coined it in their name on behalf of them. I would doubt that. Okay, I'm just saying maybe he's a really big uh, Chris and Brian just fan. He, he came up with the move on his own and decided, I'm going to name this after the <laughs> Wilcheskis. Well, yeah, or he saw the Wilcheskis do it and like the Wilcheskis never called it the Wilcheski whip, but he was like, that's a great move. I'm going to call it the Wilcheski whip because they made it up. That's pretty presumptuous of him. Uh, I just think that it's a mark of extreme admiration of the very handsome Wilcheski brothers. Mm, well, he has no regrets for his attempted Wilcheski whip. And he probably I, should. I guess no regrets for coining it the Wilcheski whip if he did, in fact, do so. He should probably have at least one regret. Many regrets. Yeah, which is that he didn't do it better. Yeah. Then we had a montage starting with James Gomez, the grocery store clerk who got express checkout at Diamond Dash. And we got a spill on aisle four when he went into the water. Ooh. Then Dan Delano, the bowling ninja who has bowled five perfect games in his career, but was not perfect that night. And he went out on the skyhooks. No, but he kind of looks like a bowling pin. So that's perfect. Ouch. Well, I mean, he's like bald and he had a stripe on his shirt. (laughs) Then we had Jelani Allen, who made it to the national finals last year, but ends up going out on the battering ram. This time he will not be returning to Vegas. So sad. Yeah. Then we had Abby Clark, the 24 year old teacher who was the only woman to complete the qualifying course in the city of Minneapolis. And uh, we had a package about her dad. Yeah, he was a professional golfer, which sure. Yes. The thing that I took away from this package is that uh, her dad and her boyfriend are both named Joe. Oh, that is so weird. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. that has. Have you ever dated someone that had the same name as one of your relatives? <laughs> nope. Oh, OK. So I have. And it is very weird. <laughs> I have dated um, a guy who has the same name as my dad and also a guy who has the same name as my brother. Wow. Yeah. That is quite unfortunate. It was weird in both instances. Mm. I can imagine would not recommend, but every person in the world is named Joe. So it's hard for her to avoid that. Well, I don't know if that's true, but no, I think factually it is. All right. Lita and her fake news. Do you think that golf is, um, do you consider golf a sport? Yeah. Okay. Like definitively. Yeah. Video games are a sport. Golf can be a sport. But like, do you consider race car driving a sport? Sure. Okay, well, you've got a lot much more liberal definition of this than I do. I mean, like, uh, I, I maybe I wouldn't call it athletics, right? I think that, but like, you would call a professional golfer a professional athlete. Seems um, tough. No, I don't think so. I don't think that goes hand in hand with hand in hand with sports. Okay, I was just asking. I th- I do agree that they're two different questions. I think that golf is my very lower limit for what is considered a sport. Like, I'll maybe give you golf. I'm not going to give you bowling or pool or any anything else. I think golf is my very, very bottom of what I would consider a professional sport. See, I think the only difference is that more people care about golf than than, you know, bowling. Yeah, so they're essentially think- very similar things. I think that uh, golf is a massive waste of land. And so I think I'm biased against it. Because at least if you're going to play a fake sport like pool, you're not destroying the environment. Yeah, you're just destroying bars. I mean, I think I don't think you're destroying bars. I think they're inherently a part of bar culture. Then you would equally say that golf courses are an inherent part of rich people town culture. I mean, yes, but I'm saying one of those things are bad and uh, one of those things are um, is good to me, not to you. But uh, I <laughs> I don't have an issue with bars taking up uh, land because it's not the kind of waste of water and uh, green space that golf courses are. Yeah, but still a waste. Uh, maybe to you. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to get a lot of golf people getting mad at me. How dare you? I I do think that there are bigger wastes of resources than golf courses. I'm having trouble talking today. Uh, But uh, I do think that it's not good for the environment. 
golf does seem to be like the quintessential like uh rich people just wasting their time yes i completely agree and i also think that golf culturally is kind of like a structural barrier to um like high achieving female executives because i think that like a lot of like rich men learn to golf when they're kids but girls don't learn and then when you're like at like a networking thing or whatever like we're all going golfing it's like a business thing and women don't know how to play that's like a structural barrier such a dumb thing for like to be like the highest form of like networking in rich people it's culture a, is like it's a real let's thing go, though let's go dress up in silly costumes and hit balls with <laughs> sticks it's a real thing though like my friend's mom is like some kind of high-ranking person at pnc bank and like she always said that like she had to like purchase golf lessons in order to like not miss out on professional opportunities <laughs> so silly I know, but it's real. See, I'm telling you all the golf enthusiasts really are going to be mad at us, but these are all of my feelings about golf professionally. Well, uh, luckily, uh, Abby Clark does not have to uh, do golf to be good at American Ninja Warrior. Um, she uh, she does get hung up on the final ring of the sky hooks. Uh, she's going to get a little uneven and start swinging in the wrong direction, but she does get through. She very quickly gets through the battering ram and then has to take on the warped wall. It took her three tries in qualifying to get up the warped wall. She misses her first attempt. This is the second attempt, and uh, her boyfriend slash dad in the crowd, uh, Joe, is... I hate the way you said that. (laughs) uh, Trying to give her some tips, and she does manage to grab the top of the wall, but loses it and ends up going down. Akbar, who thinks she had it at first, goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the end of Abby and her boyfriend slash dad. Well, not quite. She does qualify. She does? Yeah. Oh, my God. I I don't like this. I don't like qualifying if you don't make it to the second half of the course. Women's rule be damned. That feels that, ideologically I mean, that happened, wrong. That happened to uh, a man in the last episode as well. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know what? There should be a cutoff. You should. <laughs> this is a new rule I'm imposing. You have to make it to the second half of the course. Otherwise, it's just embarrassing. Yeah. Well, next up was Julius Ferguson, the 32-year-old rap artist, also known as Black Jewels with a Z. Um, yeah, he's a he's a rapper. Yes, he's been rapping. He's been writing raps since he was 11. I looked him up. You looked them up. I, I looked him up. Black oh, Jewels. Did is he on Spotify? I didn't look him up on Spotify. I looked to see if he had any uh, ratings. Anybody's rated his music. That's that's my cutoff. Have they? No. Yeah, this seems purely recreational for him. I don't think that he was like attempting to promote his music. Well, he has performed at the Apollo Theater in New York City. Um, that's exciting. So he's I... Not he's he's very used to big crowds. Yeah, that seems like one of those things that like he was probably a part of some sort of like variety performance or something like I don't think that he was like, you know, he had his own show booked at the Apollo Theater. Well, he also works at Drew Jeschel's gym, so that's more impressive to me. Yes. And exciting. Uh, he gets hung up on the skyhooks as well uh, multiple times. And this whole run is just a series of like, I don't think he's going to do it. Oh, my God, he did it. Um, and it starts with the skyhooks where he gets caught. He gets hung up. Um, then he manages to push through. You got Drew on the sidelines giving him advice all the way through. Um, he then gets hung up again on the skyhooks on the final ring in the same place that Abby did, but also manages to barely get through that. He previously had failed on the diamond dash. So it's it's a very, very nerve wracking obstacle for him to attempt here. He does fall again, but manages to crawl across the final diamond in uh, to safety there. uh, Just barely getting through that one. Then he goes on to the battering ram where he gets to the end and barely makes the dismount where his foot almost touches the water and Akbar at this point is just losing his mind uh he's I'm talking back to back lucky saves come get yours hey maybe it's not luck maybe this is just how black jewels rolls yeah it's it's all about you know 
riding the luck train. Is <laughs> that <laughs> the name of your debut rap? Yeah. Okay, well, I know uh, you're Drew, a gigantic hip-hop fan. Yes, uh, after he makes makes it up the warp wall, Drew tells him, lower your heart rate, control your breathing. Um, you know, don't freak out, essentially. Uh, he gets up the salmon ladder and is the first to attempt the hinge, um, and he gets all the way to the end of the hinge when his grip just finally runs out, uh, but he almost makes it through, and just what a run. This was uh, This was fantastic all the way through. Does he qualify? No. Oh, well, that's a bummer. I did not. As we know, I never pay attention to like the leaderboard at the end. So I should really start doing that. Um, But that's a bummer. He seems great. Yes, it was. uh, It was a lot of fun for sure. Um, Akbar says the rapper couldn't quite wrap his hands around the sides of the board. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of homonym jokes from (laughs) Akbar. We then had another montage starting with Ben Antoine, the Boeing engineer who was flying high early on, but crashed on Diamond Dash. And Akbar says, for the love of what? Which I was like, I don't know, Akbar, you tell me. Classic expression. Um, There's also another drumline during this montage. Why is this happening every week? It's only distracting. I don't know. And I don't care. I'm not a fan of the drumline montage. Motif. It's very strange, but yeah. they're really, uh, really, uh, yeah, they got pushed into it by the, uh, the marching band lobby. Yeah. The, are these the Minnesota cheerleaders that are here? I don't know. <laughs> the, I really could care less about all of the sideshow entertainment. I, stuff I'm always on. looking at the sideshow entertainment. I think that the Minnesota mascot is the gopher and I'm a big fan of that. Well, what does that <laughs> represent? I I don't know. I about just their culture. Um, I just think it's such a silly animal to be your uh, gigantic school's mascot. Uh, well, uh, obviously, what you didn't know is that their ancestors came from underground. <laughs> Listen, which is an obvious conclusion to draw from the fact that they have a gopher as a mascot. It's not an all-time great college mascot. The best one is the um, University of Santa Barbara Banana Slugs. Um, that's my favorite mascot in all of collegiate sports, but I'm a big fan of the gophers because it lends itself to, you know, go for it. That's those kinds of things. Oh man. Don't even, (laughs) it's just painful. I also don't technically know the difference between a gopher and like, um, many other of those kind of like little rodents. You know what I mean? Like Like, what is, Like, I feel like there's a bunch of things that kind of look like gophers, um, like, um, like you know those brown- gophers, you know how you can't tell the difference between <laughs> gophers and, you know, like gophers, <laughs> no, like, um, like a groundhog. Like, would you be able to identify if you saw a gopher and a groundhog? Would you know which one is which? I th- think so. Well, you can't just Google gopher because <laughs> then you'll well, know I'm, which one it is. I'm looking to see if I could tell the difference. Well, I'm from Pennsylvania and groundhogs are a really big deal where I'm from. And I still am not sure that I know that they look different than gophers. <laughs> I mean, are, are gopher. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess they all look pretty similar. Yeah. And I, I feel like there are other ones um, in that category, but... I can't think of any <laughs> beavers. Maybe? I just feel like I always see like on my runs in the park or whatever. I always see like little animals scrambling about and I never know what they are. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you really need to know? Uh, I don't know if I want to be like um, friends with it. I would like to be able to identify it. I mean, we know what your uh, stance is toward animals and birds. So uh, my stance towards animals is very different than my stance towards birds. Uh, not according to the way that I just worded my previous statement. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure we're going to move argument on from tactic. here. Uh, next up was Jamie Ross in the montage, who was the power lifter who couldn't power her way across the battering ram. And then finally, Michael Salenzi, who was the, known as the stallion, who went out on the hinge in the exact same place as uh, we just saw Julius go down the final board of the hinge. Then we had Danny Bergstrom, the 24-year-old handyman, part of the Bergstrom Bunch. His dad is Jason Bergstrom, 
you may remember from last year, I believe uh, this is the family that has adopted many, uh, many children into their family. They call them the Bergstrom Bunch. Are these the kids that like all of them went and then only one of them qualified? No, that is a different bunch of family members. What bunch was that? I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I I do remember because those all all of them were like actual biological siblings because they looked um, they all looked the same. They were all like blonde and from Utah Mm -hmm. or whatever. Okay. Yes, yeah, so this is this is the the very uh, very touching. Very, these are very good people here, um, who uh, who take in children to their home and raise them as their own. Uh, he was uh, Danny was abused as a child, taken away into foster care, and adopted into the Bergstrom family. Uh, and his father Jason uh, helped raise him into the person he is now. He was a troubled child, uh, and he saw his father run last year, weighing a hundred and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Danny weighing 250 pounds um, and decided to uh, try and compete himself. He was inspired. He lost 60 pounds and he's now here competing in the city finals and a uh, very touching story. Isn't it kind of weird that he ran in a different city than his dad this year? Yes. <laughs> I was just wondering what was going on there. I think they did not anticipate he would do very well. Okay. Well, they underestimated him. Yes, I think they did. Uh, they even said so during the run. <laughs> They were like, we underestimated him. Yes, very like they did. Um, he was uh, very, very fast on the skyhooks. Um, he was extremely excited to get through the diamond dash because that's where he failed last time. His glasses kept falling off, which is very funny. Yeah. Someone on Twitter said that he um, he looked like James McGrath. I didn't see it, but I thought with his glasses and his hair, he was giving me Jordan Parhar vibes. Huh? Maybe like uh, like if Jordan Parhar was multiplied by two. Yeah, if <laughs> he like absorbed Jordan Parhar. Yeah. Um uh like cell just raw. All right. Uh and then uh he was very very fast on the hinge as well. This guy like I was like this guy knows what he's doing. Like he is on this uh course like he's like he's a pro. Like he's a he's a total veteran because uh he is able to go so fast through these obstacles that he's not taxing his grip strength he's not wasting any energy he's very efficient um and akbar says he's a big little guy yeah he's like okay big little i don't understand yeah he's a big little he's a big little guy he's it's very confusing because (laughs) normally i'd be calling him big boy and he'd be moving slow but he's he's moving like a little boy i don't understand Akbar's mind is mind is completely blown. Yes, uh, he is going to quickly fall here on the Iron Maiden. Uh, he's definitely somebody to look out for, though. This is, uh, you know, sometimes you get these runners who they're very quick through the course. But I think like uh, sometimes it's kind of like luck. Uh, there was that milk farmer or whatever uh, a couple of years ago that like milk was the farmer? fastest uh, or regular farmer. I don't. He was. I remember he like trained by like uh, like curling like buckets of milk or something. I definitely was farm. probably not him. a fan of this person. Yeah, you, so. you hated him. He was like uh, he was kind of like a wacko, um, <laughs> and he, and he just like breezed through the uh the qualifying course with the fastest time but then he like totally failed and we haven't heard from him again in the city finals uh and i feel like that can occasionally happen where it's just like if you go fast enough and you happen to succeed uh then you look really amazing but uh unless you're really consistently able to do that um you know you never know so somebody to look out for if he's if he ends up being a consistent athlete i could see him doing very well but uh you never know yeah Wow, this milk farmer is completely not in my brain anywhere. Um, I, I don't know if he was completely a milk farmer, but he was definitely a farm something. He was called the something cow ninja or something. I don't know. The dairy um, ninja. Something like that, I think, maybe. Mm. Um, he wore a weird shirt, too. I think. Okay, well, that's very specific. That narrows it down. Twitter will help us. Uh, Next up was Jake Murray, the 31-year-old ninja trainer. He was a big skateboarder as a child, uh, which comes to the surprise of nobody. Yeah, he was a squirrely young lad. Do you identify with that? Were you squirrely as a child? (laughs) I guess I guess you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. I I was I was like super skinny with long hair and climbed a bunch of things. (laughs) 
Um, they refer to like his Midwest values. Um, and I have never thought about South Dakota as part of the Midwest, but I guess it is like, what else would it be? I don't know. I, I don't find your level of fascination in this. I, I'm very interested in this because I think that Midwest values are a very specific cultural thing. Um, but I don't think of it as extending as far as the Dakotas, your Montanas, your Wyoming's, etc. Well, maybe that's why Jake Murray is the man he is today. Yeah, well, I just think that I've maybe never met anyone from South Dakota before, but he doesn't have um, the South Dakota accent that we have seen people have like on Survivor. Um, the South Dakota accent is jarring and uh, Jake Murray does not have it. Well, well that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably for the best for him. Also, what, isn't he married or engaged or something? They refer to his girlfriend, Carissa, but didn't Jake Murray get engaged? Am I just I completely making that. this up? You might be just I, I thought because I remember being like, man, these ninjas get married young because like Daniel Gill and Jake Murray, like I'm pretty sure that like he got engaged, but I couldn't well, find any evidence of it on his Instagram. As I said, he is 31. Oh, do I just do you tell me this every time we talk about Jake Murray and every time I'm surprised? <laughs> I don't know. It seems like you don't uh, particularly listen. <laughs> Uh, to, to me, Jake Murray is 25, and that's the end of that discussion. Maybe he was the first time you saw him. No, it's possible. He, he's, he's a squirrely young lad, and uh, he's too young to get married. Well, he was a wedding photographer. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I really do think he got engaged, though, but now I can't find any evidence of it. Well, maybe someday we'll figure it out. Yeah, because he, he had like that package about the crappy car. And then I felt like the next year there was whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we join him at the battering ram and uh, he uh, he has a pretty uneventful run. He makes it through the hinge. Uh, we'll be the first person to do so. And uh, right now, uh, sorry, uh, Danny, um, Danny made it through the hinge uh, first, but then failed on the Iron Maiden. Uh, Jake Murray is going to go through the Iron Maiden. He goes down one side of the Iron Maiden. Maiden, as opposed to uh, trying to manage both sides. And he gets through and finishes the course. Jake Murray, look at that. Yeah, redemption for last year when he missed out on Vegas. Very true. Then we had another montage starting with Jason Sally, the rainbow ninja, who despite having feathers on his shoulders, could not fly through the double twisters. I wish we had seen more of this guy either here or before, because like I've said before, I feel like we have very little... Um, representation of out and proud LGBT ninjas. So, well, I mean, they could have shown his run, but it would have been about as long as it took to show him in the montage, considering he went out on the double twisters. Well, yeah, but I just mean, I wish we had gotten a package from him or like in qualifying or whatever, because I just feel like this is not a demographic that is highly represented in ninja. Then we had Austin Gray, who is the guy who donated his kidney to his friend um, and uh, ends up making it to the Iron Maiden before failing. Uh, so uh, happy to see uh, to see him doing well. Um, Austin Gray, he did end up uh, qualifying for Vegas. So uh, that should be interesting. Yeah, good for him. He made he gave me a good cry with his original package. Yes. Then we go to somebody else who had a good cry uh, on this night. Uh, Michael Torres, the 23 year old ninja gym manager. He has given up his job as a carpenter to be a always, ninja gym manager. I will always remember Michael Torres's name because uh, the first run that I remember of his was the one where they kept cutting to your face in the crowd <laughs> during uh, Michael Torres's run because you were like right behind him. Um, so that's the only reason I remember who he is. There you go. Uh, we joined him at the Diamond Dash. He's made it to Vegas both of his first two years competing. Uh, unfortunately, though, not going to make it this time. Akbar calls him. <laughs> Akbar says, I call him the baby faced assassin because he looks like a little kid, but he can kill it on the course. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He's not that baby faced. There are people who look younger than him. He's pretty baby faced. I mean, that's if, if, if there's going to be a part of this that I don't agree with, it's not going to be the baby faced part. <laughs> you don't agree with him being an assassin? I think that saying he can kill it on the course, therefore he's an assassin makes no sense. Because he kills it. Whatever it is, he assassinates it. 
There are lots of other ways to say that he that he does well on the course despite having a baby face. Not not despite, perhaps in part because of that's where his powers come from in his superhero persona, the baby face assassin. You figured it out. I've cracked it. Maybe maybe that's his problem. He's getting too old. The baby face is disappearing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I like this backstory. All right. Well, he gets to the final board of the hinge, but he ends up slipping into the water, which is going to cost him uh, at the end of the episode. We then get to Rue Yori, the 41 year old lab supervisor. We call him the canine ninja. And uh, unfortunately, he has lost his dog, Angus. Angus, who was there for him last year, has since passed away. Yeah, <laughs> this was really hard to watch. Very sad. Yeah, this is uh, a big bummer. I love him. Um, and he got a new pit bull, Johnny, who he rescued from a fighting situation. Um, just reminding everybody to adopt, don't shop, just like Andrew Ruyori. And I'm very sad he didn't make it because uh, this is the best, one of the best causes to be advocating. Yes, uh, his new sidekick, Johnny, is there to cheer him on. Um, but unfortunately, he misses the jump to the skyhooks. He just whiffs on the grab and Akbar says, Oh, he got bit by the sky hooks. I really hope to see him again. I cry every time he's on screen. Yes. He apologizes to the dogs afterward. Oh, that's very nice of him. The dogs then, are probably very disappointed. Yes. And then Akbar, I don't know if Akbar meant to do this, but he said a rough ending for the canine ninja. I am uh, very sure that Akbar meant to do that. Well, he did not put emphasis on rough. I put the emphasis on rough. Okay. Well, I don't know. Akbar, um, king of wordplay. I would never underestimate him. Underestimate him. Okay. Well, then we had a commercial run. Sean Darling Hammond, the 33-year-old PhD student uh, who ran during the commercial. And I, I hope you guys noticed the slowdowns. They happen. I couldn't have because I was still watching on Hulu. Yeah. Well, he gets to the Iron Maiden where he goes down on the first descent of the obstacle. And that is going to be Sean Darling Hammond's run. He does qualify for Vegas. Uh, then we had Sarah Heeson, 32 year old, two years old. The Beast, Beast, Beast and Heeson. It's still I still don't like it. Yeah, it's it's not the best rhyme. <laughs> uh Akbar says uh, when she's on the battering ram, she's she is a boss, a boss on the battering ram. Yeah. And her friend is dressed like bacon. For some Did not reason. Notice that. No, you didn't. Uh, yeah. Her friend is dressed like bacon. And uh, Matt explains that that's to remind her to have fun and not take the course too seriously. I don't think that that would have that desired effect on me. It would make me hungry. Hmm. It would make me not that. <laughs> it would make me grossed out. Well, she does end up going down right after Akbar calls her a boss on the battering ram. And uh, that's going to be it for Sarah Heeson. Yeah, very sad. She's on Ninja vs. Ninja, right? Is that yes. how I remember her name? Okay, great. Then we had Lance Picus, the 31-year-old rancher the cowboy ninja he's been doing work with the idaho beef council which they never really explained who these people are it sounds like some kind of like charity raise awareness group but for beef like they're big no. beef advocates uh they really just uh they're really trying to promote the concept of beef it yes sounds like. so so a beef council it's not a, a charity thing um a beef council would be well, obviously okay <laughs> well i don't know um yeah they, it just it's, sounds it's, like it. it's like the the idaho beef council uh now i'm like you a council you picture this is like you know there's some kind of charity they're raising money for awareness of something but then it's like a beef council and he's advertising beef and i'm just picturing like a dark room with a bunch of executives uh mm. Like eating beef and being like, ah, we're getting them to eat more beef. <laughs> That's exactly what it is, because meat and dairy lobbies are very evil and they have far too much money. So um, every state has a council like this where they just uh, make up science and uh, sell it to the CDC. And then uh, they 
the government tells people that they need to eat meat because it's on the food pyramid and it's good for you or whatever. So these are the people who are spreading misinformation about nutrition. Um, they're very bad. The meat and dairy lobby has far too much money and far too much influence over politics and our bodies. Anyway, um, I'm it's, not great with this uh, life choice by Lance Pekus. It's just weird. Like, I didn't even know what this was. <laughs> and I was in my immediate thought was like, why are you being so open about this? This seems like very weird like oh now i'm working for the idaho beef council where we talk about how you should eat beef and i was like like this just this just seems shady like uh and and like i don't know then this like uh i was able to get this because my wife came out about her story and it's like what what is going on here this is a very strange package yeah well he's uh he's a rancher and uh that makes him qualified to promote eating beef i guess I mean, they were essentially saying like the idaho beef council saw his story with his wife thought wow this is a great heart-wrenching story we can use this to promote beef yes that's because but they the- were so open about it you're usually not that open about such like terrible advertising tactics <laughs> like just so exploitative like it'd be one thing if it was like some admirable cause but it's just for beef yeah, well, listen, uh, the meat and dairy lobbies are scared uh, right now because they are selling less beef. So they are uh, trying to promote themselves any way they can, including so. through exploiting this poor woman's story about her illness. Uh, well, yeah, you know, at least they're they're uh, making making money off, I guess. Um, they uh, Akbar, when we join him at the battering ram, says uh, that's some beef and potatoes right there. Some beef and potatoes. Yeah, which so, is not uh, even really like an expression. Well, maybe he's also on the potato council. That I would support. I'm not. Um, I'm not a huge uh, potato fan. Personally, but I I feel like uh, potatoes are a very versatile food, and I endorse I'm them. A, I'm a pretty big potato fan, although yeah. I am also a pretty big beef fan. So, mm. what are you gonna do? Is that just because you have beef with so many people? <laughs> yeah, that's me. I have lots of beef with people. I'm on the Idaho <laughs> Beef Council's website, and honestly, it's a little disturbing. Not just to me as a vegan, but like they their like opening paragraph on their website is there's something warm and comforting about a slow cooked savory beef meal. <laughs> what is <laughs> a so beef strange. meal is not even a thing. No one's it's like, what are you having weird... for dinner? Oh, we're making beef tonight. That's not anything that anyone says. Uh, it's weird. It's like, uh, it's just like, hey, uh, you know what? We know what we need. We need a, a pastry council. Uh, we need to promote the concept of pastries. You know, you know, guys, don't you love pastries? Uh, it's like, <laughs> yes, I don't. Are you uh, are you being paid by the pastry council right now? Is this secretly an ad? I, I have recently become obsessed with blueberry muffins, so. Oh, God, don't bring that up. Um, also, you can never visit the Idaho Beef Council because it only has three stars um, on Google reviews. Yeah. that Oh, Google reviews, too. Google reviews are way more uh, lenient than They're more uh, than lenient, Yelp. yeah. Yeah. If it's so. anything below a four star on Google, you you're, don't, even, don't even think about it. You don't even have to Yelp it because you know it's going to be lower than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be on this website anymore. <laughs> okay. Well, they now know that you are a committed beef lover um, because they have tracked you going onto their website. Oh, God, I'm going to get ads. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have beef with anyone? <laughs> Eat I don't some want of it. the beef ads. You're going to get competing uh, like vegetarian, like a sad cow in one ad pane and then, uh, you know, uh, extra sad cow on the next one. (laughs) Eat me. I hate that when like um when like barbecue places like use pigs as like their their marketing or whatever like you'll pass on the highways a lot of times like barbecue places that have like a giant sign of a pig or whatever and I'm like don't you understand that this is kind of messed up <laughs> this look 
if if you don't have the right to advertise your own, uh, uh, I don't know, <laughs> pig carcasses meal. <laughs> If somebody decided to serve right. me as a meal, I feel like uh, the the least they could do is give me one last uh, hurrah and put me on a billboard. In cartoon form, looking like happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at that I'd happy Terran. He wants us to eat him. <laughs> That's not a sentence I thought I'd ever hear you say. <laughs> Uh, well, Lance, uh, makes another deal with Matt and Akbar. Uh, if he gets to Vegas, then they're going to need to wear their black cowboy hats. Haven't they done this before? Yes. It's a okay. little, little redundant here. Yeah. Uh, they also say when he gets to the salmon letter, they do this multiple times and each time it freaks me out whether or not I care about the person that's running. Uh, they're like in seven seasons, he's never fallen on the salmon ladder. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, okay, make that eight seasons. He got through it. Yeah, because he's uh, from Salmon, Idaho. Yes. Uh, he gets through the hinge and then loses it on the back half of the Iron Maiden. Um, so we will be seeing Lance in Vegas. Yeah, but Akbar have, isn't a prude about him taking his shirt off like he was about Jamie Ron, even though Lance Pegas is also married. Yes. It's double standards. Yeah. Between... I don't know. Cowboys and superheroes. Superheroes. Yeah. Uh, we then have another montage starting with Dalton Knop, Knop who weighs only 120 pounds. Uh, cancer survivor crashed down at the hinge. Um, unfortunately, not going to be good enough to qualify for Vegas. But his older brother, Drew Knop, did get through the hinge, uh, but couldn't survive the Iron Maiden. But he will qualify for Vegas. Then Ian Dory, who got through the Iron Maiden and completed his fifth straight city finals course. Uh, he's so good at completing city finals courses that they're just like, we don't even need to show him. Oh, yada, yada, yada. Ian Dory crushing a course again. Who cares? Old news. But Akbar yes. does say we found Dory. Yes, I think we found Dory. <laughs> yeah, I like that movie. Pretty sure, uh, spoilers, they did find Dory in the movie. So. My God, I can't believe you just ruined that for everybody. I gave a spoiler alert. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure people had plenty of time to pause and skip ahead. I'm sure they did. (laughs) And I'm sure that nobody expected that twist ending. Um, Tyler Gillette is next up. 22-year-old barista. He trains with his mom now. Super fan. Wasn't it like two seconds ago that Tyler Gillette was like some kind of dangerous package transporter? Yes, they talked about that. He's had many odd jobs. That to me doesn't seem like an odd job. That to me seems like a career. I guess I was misunderstanding. So, yeah. yeah, I guess I was not understanding what that job entails because you can just go from that to Starbucks barista in two seconds. Oh, you you had a job at Starbucks? Yes, that qualifies you to come into the line of uh, protecting dangerous merchandise. Or protecting dangerous merchandise qualified him to be a barista because it's hard out there at Starbucks. Yeah, uh, it, you got to get people's names right. It's it seems like a tough job. It's very crowded all the time. And also they changed their uh, they don't have the sugar free coffee syrup anymore. So they Oof. had to deal with the wrath, uh, the wrath of me a couple weeks ago, um, by which I mean, mm. I was very sad and tried to insist that, like, they check if they had more in the back. And also they have to learn a uh, new lingo for uh, sizes. Uh, yeah, but I think that if you've ever gone to a Starbucks, you know, the lingo. Hey, I'm not going to assume that Tyler Gillette was a Starbucks uh, frequent uh, customer. I mean, it's pretty easy to pick up. I feel like everybody kind of knows that language at this point. I don't. You don't know? Are you sure? Grande is probably a large. No, the grande is the medium. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) Because that's dumb. No, 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 no. It's not. There's a reason for it. It's because they're Italian um, and it's based on like the so... (laughs) <laughs> this is no one cares about this but uh see this is what i'm saying you have to learn all this to become a, a, star, a starbucks barista yeah, but once you this learn exactly it you, my point you're giving a whole lecture on it right now it's short tall grande venti and venti is because it's 20 ounces so that's like the large large size short tall 
Yeah, short, tall, grande, venti. Nobody really orders shorts. It's basically like tall is small. So a tall is a small. Yeah, because it's, it's based on Italian. And then a vente is venti. a large. Yes. Venti. So dumb. Because if you start with short, then it makes sense that the next one up is tall. I, I feel like I'm in 2012 when people actually cared about this and made fun of Starbucks for it. Because I'm finally learning about it. Yeah, well, there's like... um. I don't know. There's some movie where someone explains this. I think Paul Rudd is in it, but I don't know what movie it is. But like the sizing makes sense. Like once you learn it, you, it's like not that difficult. Well, anything makes sense. Uh, you know, Fessy nominating Scotty makes sense if you follow his line of logic. Doesn't mean it's not dumb. No, it's not. Whatever. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You also, if you go to, I think the misconception is like, if you go to Starbucks and order like a medium, they'll be like, don't you mean a grande? Like no one has ever said that. If you go to Starbucks and order a medium, they know what you mean and they'll just do it. Yeah, but they, I'm saying they have to learn. They have to be like medium. OK, I know that means grande. OK, yeah, see, thing. you've already nailed it. Yeah. Uh, so Tyler Gillette is going to get through the hinge and guarantees himself a spot in Vegas. But he does drop on the back half of the Iron Maiden. Lots of people are going to fail there. Yeah, really close, though. Yes. Uh, then we get another montage, starting with Sarah Showback, who came up short on the skyhooks. Uh, her foot grazed the water. It's that's unfortunate. The, that's the worst way to go. Yes. Then we had Carson Voiles, who slipped off the Iron Maiden, but was fast enough for Vegas. And then Eric Middleton, who splashed down at the Iron Maiden. Uh, and he had to eat a lollipop with a mealworm in it because he failed. Have you ever had one of those? Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, I have. What? <laughs> I actually have. Yeah. No, I actually have. Um, before I was vegetarian, uh, when I was like 10, uh, we had like a thing in science class where like they brought in a bunch of different like bug snacks um, and like people could eat them. And uh, I was a very not picky eater as a child. I would literally eat anything. And like, I'm still that way. As long as it's vegan, I'll eat pretty much anything as long as it's not bell peppers. Um, and so they like no one else in the class wanted to do it because we were in like fifth grade and like all of the girls were like, ew, like we're eating bugs or whatever. But I was obsessed with Survivor. So I was into it because I felt like I was doing a challenge. So they had all of these leftover lollipops with like bugs in them. I don't think it was mealworms, but I've, I had the nacho cheese flavored mealworms. Um, and I took a bunch of the lollipops home and my brother and I ate them. So what I'm hearing is that you just lost all rights to uh, not like Eric Middleton moving forward from now on. I have never disliked Eric Middleton. I thought it was a weird. You also have no right to uh, to complain about Akbar and Matt eating a spider. I know because now I understand that it's wrong to eat animals. I didn't know that at the time. I'm pretty sure it holds up. <laughs> well, I don't. You I've have never... sinned. I've never had a problem with Eric Middleton. I thought that his strategy of getting people to respect bugs more by eating them was weird. Because I feel like if you want people to respect them, then don't treat them as food. Well, I mean, you have to admit, putting it in a lollipop is pretty respectful. <laughs> That's how I want to go. Bury yeah. me in a lollipop. Encase me in sugar and bury me. If somebody was going to eat you... Wouldn't you rather they ate you inside of a lollipop? I think that I would be I, I would rather be made into um, the the white flavor of Tic Tacs because those are my favorite product in the world. So do I you think eat that, Tic Tacs, though? Do I? Yeah. Do you, like, do, would you say you eat Tic Tacs? What would you say? <laughs> I wouldn't say ate them. I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, let me go eat some Tic Tacs. You would say what? You ingest them? I don't know. <laughs> What verb would you say? Do you, you want say? some Tic Tacs? You, you just have you just have some. Oh, I'll have a Tic Tac. You don't eat you, it. You have Tic Tacs. You don't eat yeah. them. <laughs> no, you eat. What do you shove a, a handful of Tic Tacs in your mouth and chew and swallow? No, I I eat them like a mint. <laughs> right. You, you don't you don't eat mints either. You just put them in your mouth and they dissolve. <laughs> This is such an insignificant distinction. <laughs> you put it in your mouth and ingest it into your body and therefore you process it. You process the calories into, you know, energy or whatever. That's what eating is. Lots of things get put into my body 
and processed. And I don't say that I ate all of them. So you wouldn't say you ate a lollipop either? No, I would say I ate a lollipop. How is that different than a sheep tag? Because it has a stick? Because I'm actively eating a lollipop. I'm actively eating a Tic Tac. I can't. So I have um, fun fact about me. I have very weak teeth. I can't bite into things like that. So I can't bite into a Tic Tac. So I just suck on it until it's gone. And that to me is the process of eating something. All right. If I ever hear in my life organically somebody say, I'm going to go eat some Tic Tacs, then I will capitulate (laughs) and admit that you eat Tic Tacs. I just think that one, it if, might not be the language you you use, but it is technically eating. But that, my whole point is that you would never say, I'm going to go eat some Tic Tacs. <laughs> but it's, it's a semantic thing. It's not an actual, I'm not wrong, but I mean, you do eat Tic Tacs. So you might just not say it that way. But that, well, but that's, that's the point. You, it's just, it's weird to say it that way. <laughs> Um, I'm saying that I would like to be turned into Tic Tacs when I die, whether you eat them, ingest them, consume them, whatever. Um, they are my number one favorite product. I've always said that if I was going to be famous, I want to do like sponsored content for the white flavor Tic Tacs because I love them more than anything. But little Lita faces on them. Me, my face? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be fine. While you're up on like your billboard, the cartoon version of you at some sort of barbecue place, um, I'll be turned into Tic Tacs. We uh, we have remarkable vision on this podcast. (laughs) Next up was Joe Morovsky, the 29 year old meteorologist. Uh, We get a package about him uh, also being a musician and uh, singer. He's a good singer, too. Yes. Um, big Joe Morofsky fan. Uh, not a big fan of this package. <laughs> Why? It's just a little bit like, oh, I don't, I don't want to. Oh, you want me? Okay, fine. Okay, I'll sing. Don't, uh, don't make me sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me just. What can he do? Okay, okay. Now that's that's enough. You you probably didn't know I was so talented. Oh, it's so it's so fine though. <laughs> Whatever. It's it's fine. It doesn't matter. What else can we possibly like say about Joe Morawski at this point? Yeah, they might as well uh, do something yeah. stupid like this. Yes. Uh, Joe, Joe is, uh, again, one of my favorites. This is part of why I love him is uh, is this, uh, this attitude of, uh, yeah, I'm also just an amazing singer. You didn't bet you didn't know. So, yeah, there you go. Um, so uh, he's going to take on this course. We join him at the battering ram. Um, he's very upset that he didn't get up the mega wall. Um, he's going to chastise it and say, uh, I could have done it. Um, he's, uh, they also say again, he goes onto the salmon ladder. They're like, Joe Morovsky has never fallen on a salmon ladder. It's like, why are you saying this? <laughs> so much salmon didn't ladder fall talk. there. Uh, he does qualify for Vegas as he gets through the hinge, uh, makes an early dismount on the Iron Maiden and then finishes with the fastest time of the night so far. Yeah, so at this point, I'm looking at how much time I have left in the episode, and I'm like, okay, Joe isn't last, so that's probably good for Megan, right? Because, like, Megan will be last, and they wouldn't end on Megan not qualifying, so that'll be great. And then I looked at how much time was left, and I was like, wait, Megan isn't last, because they just said she's coming up next, and had no idea who they were possibly going to put last. And then I thought that Megan was for sure going to fail. Well, I, I thought Megan must have been last because I wasn't checking how much time was left. So I was like, oh, this is this is possibly a good sign. I think she might have this. Um, yeah, she does. Uh, she makes it through the battering ram, knocking out Sarah Heeson, who was on the bubble last year as well. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate for her. Uh, manages to get all the way through the hinge and becomes uh, one of now five women to have gotten to the ninth uh, city finals obstacle. Only two have beaten the ninth obstacle, Casey Catanzaro and Jesse Graff. Um, and she is also the first woman to face the Iron Maiden. And it plays perfectly into her strengths as a rock climber. Um, so I really felt pretty confident here. But uh, she starts to run out of gas at the final descent and eventually drops. And uh, Akbar is just going to lose it. He's very upset. Yeah. And he's already named so many specific back muscles that she has. He's like <laughs> naming all of the anatomical things that uh, she has going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, she was so close. Like so many people we saw go out on this specific panel of the Iron Maiden. It's mm. a bummer, but I'm very glad she did it. 
Yes. Uh, and at this point, I was like, whoa, she wasn't the final run. Who, who yeah. the show? <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> it's like, uh, whoever it is obviously finishes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess so. Unless they're doing something really, really strange here. Um, we then got another montage. Uh, Hunter Gerard, the lizard king. Mm-hmm. Uh, he failed at the Iron Maiden. I think they just call him the lizard. His team was the lizard kings, but I think he's just yeah, the lizard. Well, that's why I paused to give you a chance to correct me there. Um, he's, he's something lizard. Lizard something, I think. Lizard man. I think he's just the lizard. All right, we'll figure it out. Uh, we then saw Jonathan Stevens, who was the fourth finisher of the night and cried at the top, which puts Michael Torres on the bubble. More crying and Michael Torres in the same uh, sentence. Yep. Then we get John Alexis Jr., the 29 year old engineering student. The Giants are good pal. John, uh, he gets a um, he's very inconsistent. In his yeah. package, which is very strange. This whole thing was very strange. John being last and then them hyping him up as like, oh, we never know if he's going to do well because he fails a lot. Um, it was just very strange in general. Yeah, they were like, his runs are always some of the most exciting of the night. It's like, yeah, so exciting that you never give us a package or show his runs in their entirety. Yes, uh, he puts his shirt on the mega wall because uh, he's coming for it next time. Yeah, does Akbar shame him about taking his shirt off? Nope. Well, he's not married. Oh, right. Okay. I forgot. Yeah. Uh, he gets through the hinge and Torres is knocked out. He looks very bummed. Yeah, it's sad, but, you know, got a root for friend of the podcast, John Alexis Jr. here. Yes. Um, and then uh, he gets through the uh, the Iron Maiden as well. Akbar says, uh, like a daddy long legs, like a, a dandy apple giant. Dandy Apple Giant? That was my best trans- transcription. What is that? What does that mean? I don't know. It was, it was, uh. I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before in my life. Is that a reference to something? I know dandy apples are a thing. What's I just a don't dandy know what they apple? have to do with giants. I don't what know. is they're a dandy like, apple? They're apples. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing no reference of that. Dandy Apple. You Google Dandy Apple, you're not seeing anything because I'm seeing things. Well, I Googled Dandy Apple Giant. Yes, I did. Do that. <laughs> and that came up with nothing. Um, Dan- when I Google Dandy Apple, it, uh, a Mac lipstick comes up. And then <laughs> a recipe. Apple lipstick. And then a recipe for Apple Dandy, which sounds different. Cheesy open faced sandwich. Ew, toasted raisin bread, bacon, and sugared apples. That sounds absolutely disgusting. He may also be a big Fallout fan. Uh, Dandy Boy Apples are in Fallout. Okay. I don't know what that is. Um, but <laughs> I assume it's a video game. Yes. I, it, 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 maybe it was a different word, um, but uh, who knows? Maybe he just said candy apple giant, and that makes kind of even less sense. Possible. It is possible. Yeah, whatever. Happy for Jod, regardless. Yes. Uh, he just crashes through the doors on the spider trap, uh, blazing through this obstacle, and completes his first city finals course and does it with the fastest time of the night. So there you go. The giant. Yes. Mazel John. Yes. So our leaderboard here is uh, John Alexis Jr. at the top as the fastest finisher, followed by Joe Morofsky, Jake Murray, and uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Stevens and Ian Dory. And then uh, Mike Myers after that, who failed at the Iron Maiden, along with Eric Middleton, Carson Voiles, Hunter Gerard, Lance Picus, Drew Knopp, Austin Gray, Danny Bergstrom, Tyler Gillette, and Sean Darling-Hammond. Uh, one of the first episodes where I feel like I really know who everyone is that finished, even though some of them got montaged um jonathan stevens is probably the most unknown here um then we got the two female qualifiers here megan martin who failed at the iron maiden and abby clark who failed at the warped wall oh did wait what play did megan qualify outright no oh that's surprising because she yeah. got so far yeah, it was a tough field. Uh you had to make it to the Iron Maiden and um and uh and do so in a like fast time, I guess. Yeah, I mean considering that we that had... doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Cuz but... Torres was on the bubble, right? Yes. And he failed at the at the hinge. 
Yeah, that's why I was confused. One, two, three. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm counting 15 people. They, they must have, they must have uh, manufactured that drama. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. That's so weird. Especially uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Megan was on the bubble and they just didn't want to show it like that. Because nobody would have rooted for anyone to boot Megan off the... And also, it didn't matter if Megan was on the bubble because she was qualifying anyway, so it wouldn't be real drama. Right. Um, either way, Megan was very close to qualifying outright. She had to be the 16th person. Yeah, I would, I would imagine, considering the person that they claimed was on the bubble was... Yeah, and that's so uh, weird behind be- her. because, uh, like, we've seen qualifying episodes where literally all you had to do is, like, make it through the salmon ladder or whatever in the right amount of time. So this was very tough field. Mm. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm double checking my uh, my thing here. Yeah. Um, Sean Darling Hammond finished the Iron Maiden or got to the Iron Maiden at four minutes and 17 seconds. Megan Martin got there at four minutes and 33 seconds. So she oh was close. Yeah. But clearly... Michael Torres was not on the bubble with at the final run because <laughs> Megan Martin would have been ahead of him. Yeah. Okay, great. We've caught you, American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> We've caught you in your web of lies. Yes. Uh, so there you go. That was the Minneapolis City Finals. And next week, we are going to be in Vegas. Yeah, it all happened so fast. Very fun. Very exciting. Yes, we won't. We're not there this year. We weren't there. No. In case anyone is confused about that. So we don't know what happened. Yeah, we have none of the spoilers, none of the tea. So don't tell us. (laughs) That just made it like 10 times more likely that somebody does. (laughs) No, nobody would ever dare to spoil us and ruin the podcast for everybody else. Well, if you do want to contact us, you can do so on Twitter. I'm at Armstrong Taren. Lita is at Lita Tweeted. You can find us on robazowebsite.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the American Ninja Warrior Rehap Up podcast, or you can subscribe wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, you can follow Alita on Instagram at Lita Grant. You can find me on Twitch at uh, Taryn Armstrong. All right. So uh, a- anything else, Lita? Uh, no, I was on a live feed update today. So do that. There you go. Check out our big brother coverage. Always fun. Um, and of course, check out the Taryn show. I talked to uh, Mary from uh who has also done some updates so yes and who is great yes all right thank you everyone for joining us we will see you next time good morning everyone i've got a question to ask do you want to be a ninja themselves because they're not that strong.